Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. I'm Paul Sweeney, alongside my co-host, Matt Miller. Every business day, we bring you interviews from CEOs, market pros, and Bloomberg experts, along with essential market-moving news. Find the Bloomberg Markets Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Big, big day in Frankfurt, Germany today and for uh, Europe. Uh, the ECB raising uh, its benchmark rate 50 basis points. So no longer negative interest rates in Europe. That's big. Um, boy, it's been a long, long time. It's I'm taken them long enough. Exactly. I'm looking at the euro here trading up just a little bit. But let's dig into it a little bit. We can do that with Mava Cousin, euro area economist for Bloomberg Economics. Geneva, Zurich, somewhere over there in Switzerland. Um, pretty cool. Mava, thanks so much for joining us here. Busy, busy day for Christine Lagarde. What are your takeaways from what we've seen and heard so far this uh, uh, today in Europe? Hi, thanks. So, yes, it's a big day indeed. And it's 50 basis points, so bigger hike than we were expecting. Uh, as they explained, it's because they judged that their TPI, their uh, transmission protection instrument, was strong enough to allow a bigger move to tame inflation, which has again surprised on the upside in June after they published their latest forecast. So the big focus at the moment in the area and at the ECB is really on current inflation and trying to get a handle on these uh, relentless inflation pressures. Uh, now the big question is how good will be this uh, anti-fragmentation tool, this TPI? Uh, it's good that they have agreed on something, but of course uh, it is all still subject to really the, the uh, discretion of the governing council. There are some parts of it, in particular, assessing the fiscal sustainability of the government or the country, the sovereign, that would need to receive this support, and also deciding when to activate, when the increase in spread is unwarranted, which will be subject to discretion, and we are not sure how and when they can be activated. And I would say that a political crisis in Italy probably doesn't fig fig figure on the list of rational or reasons why they could activate it. I wait. Why we we always Mava? It's like a nonstop, constant political crisis in Italy that should always figure into every central banker's list. So, as uh, Christine Lagarde said during the, the the briefing, this is really to address unwarranted ma market fragmentation that is not country specific. So, some sort of risk aversion uh, mechanism. Uh, she said that they already have a mechanism, they already have a tool, it's called OMT, uh, to address country-specific redomination risk. So that's really, if it's a political crisis in theory, it would be difficult for the governing council to activate the tool. So we'll see how that happens, uh, but they have defined the criteria. It's quite, it's still relatively vague. It, As I said, a lot of discretion, we will see. You know, um, Kriti Gupta was just in here talking about the possibility of another sovereign debt crisis because of the blowout and spreads. I think we're probably, well, we're currently pretty, pretty, pretty safe in that respect, but we could get there. That's the trajectory. Is this ECB equipped to deal with that kind of thing? 
it's one more tool than they didn't have before. It's just much more difficult than it was uh, when they first launched OMT and when they first, because at that time, it was easy for them to buy a lot of government debt because it was serving at the same time the support, like the monetary policy direction to increase inflation and the market fragmentation aspect. So it's much more challenging now. It's good that they are uh, introducing a new, t- a new tool, uh, but it will it will still be subject to a lot of debate on the government but Council. but they could have raised rates progress. much they could have raised rates a long time ago and i realize that you know um the fed also allowed inflation to get ahead of it and and so did um the bank of england you used to advise her majesty's uh treasury there why why is the ecb you know the last to raise why didn't they act sooner they had a different inflation problem. They still have a different inflation problem. Uh, most of the inflation in the ECB is still due to energy and food prices, so out of their control to a large extent. Uh, it's also that actually we've seen a lot of tightening in market conditions at the, uh, in market rates uh, for the euro area, actually more so than in, in, in the U.S., at least uh, initially. Um, just without raising the rates. So they have already, there has been already a lot of tightening. They didn't raise sooner because they had to exit their asset purchases and they had to make sure actually they had the right tools in place. But it doesn't mean that they, are, they, they don't need to do as much as uh, the, the Fed or the Bank of England. All right, Maeve, thank you so much for joining us. Maeve, a cousin, uh, Euro Area Economist for Bloomberg Economics. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. I want to bring in our good friend Ed Price. He's a senior fellow uh, at former British uh, trade official, senior fellow at NYU. Lots going on Ed, in Europe. We've been covering it all day. Matt's been up since the before the crack of dawn. Lots going on with the ECB. Let's start there. ECB raising their benchmark It's all rate. connected, right? Uh, all connected. Yeah. 50 basis points. Um, that's in the face of slowing European uh, economic growth, energy crises. There are so many cross currents for our friends uh, over in Europe. I think that's right. And, um, you know, what does the ECB want to do? It kind of wants to do two things. It wants to kill inflation and it wants to not kill the European economy. Right. So if you if you say, well, look, you know, 50 is quite a lot. It's not enough if you want to stop inflation. And um, again, we talk about this a lot, but I don't know what you do. Like, what is the answer to that? But 50 also can't kill an economy, right? They, they're at just 50 basis points. That's now expected. Let's remember, zero. it's very, very low. They're yeah. still below whatever our yes. start is, whatever you think it is. It's yeah. definitely more than 50, right? It's definitely more than 50. I mean, I would personally say there's no such thing as R star because you've got. Right. What's that term you just mentioned? R star, the natural rate of interest, right? So like, yeah, right. So like, this is this is one of the um, the the more voodoo-y aspects of economics. But it's basically whatever your guess is and. Ed is probably better equipped to make a guess than you or I. Yep. At Doubtful. a level of <laughs> a level of interest rates that is not enough to not high enough to slow the economy, but not low enough to spur it forward. So just 
neutral. Yep. Yeah, and you're like, you know, you're doing things like searching for what the output gap is, and you've got your army of economists. Um, it's a guess, and I would go further than that and say it probably doesn't exist because if you want to look after financial markets whatever our star is, it's probably quite low. And then if you want to look after inflation and get rid of that problem, it's probably higher. Um, so the, there's probably no such thing as our star. I'm going to look at my Twitter later to see what happens to me <laughs> after saying that. Um, yeah. All right. So Ed, here, here in the States, Fed Chairman Powell raises rates 75 basis points. It's, yeah. it's New York, Hawaii, California, it doesn't really matter vis-a-vis um, -vis those different states. But it's not the same thing in the ECB. Well, New either. York... Hawaii and California all make a ton of money. Yes. Correct. How about our good friends? Maybe, maybe it, it matters to the states that take all of our money. Take all of yeah. our money. <laughs> so let's bring that analogy to Europe and Italy. Italy, yeah. So talk to us about how, you know, how, what it's the, what Christine Lagarde has to balance when she's in this rate moving uh, scenario when you have different countries, uh -huh. different economic development. So it's a really good point. So, okay, so borrowing costs, you're right, in the US don't matter as much as in the euro area. Uh, and they don't matter as much because the spread in the euro area between, you know, 10-year borrowing costs between Italy and Germany is, as we've said before, essentially an indicator of whether the euro can exist. Okay. So the ECB is obviously sitting there thinking, uh, we don't want to introduce a, you know, an X upper bound for Italy. Uh, at which point it won't be able to function as a government, won't be able to function as a state, and will have to leave the euro area um, because that would be extremely bad. Uh, so, by the way, you've also got this uh, threat that Russia's going to cut off the gas and, yep. you know, there's projections that Italy would have a 5% contraction and so on. So I think the ECB is thinking about these really deep structural currency-related issues at the same time as in public and on the surface of things, talking in the normal language of macroeconomics. And it's so tough to deal with the gas issues at the same time as they're dealing with their persistent lack of a government again. You know, right. They've had 67 governments in 75 years, is I'll that repeat. The, is that the number? Yeah. Good Lord. It's nutso, but that's just how it is in Italy. And frankly, the ECB should be prepared for that, um, you know, because it happens so often. But it's a very difficult time to see spreads widen. And I wonder how far the spread could go before it causes um, a sovereign debt crisis. The last one we saw was pretty difficult. That took Mario Draghi to get out of. Yeah. And he's kicking off this one. He's kicking off this one. That's very good. You need that on a t-shirt. Um, whatever it doesn't take. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the problem is that we don't know. Like, we don't know what the, that level is. We've been obsessed for years as policymakers and economists with this thing called the, the lower bound which is apparently zero. Uh, it's not, wink, wink, but apparently yes. zero, right? Um, but then there's this, obviously, to your point, Matt, there's this upper bound somewhere at which, at which point sovereigns and, and presumably uh, corporates and others are going to hit the wall. So we don't know. Um, and could be 350, could be 400. Could, be, could yeah. be, could be, but then, of course, the only way to find out is to get there. Right. So do you really want to get there? No. And, that, and that's something that's... that's yeah, my question is, if we have another crisis, yeah. or maybe I should say, when we have another Euro crisis, right. does that push the European Union towards a breakup as it looked like no, was no. going to happen in 2011? Or does no. it bring the European Union closer together? Do they say, enough of this. Yep. You heard what Paul Sweeney said about how the USA handles it. Let's do it like that and federalize everything. I think, we are, I think you're absolutely right, federalize. Uh, I think that right now we're in the Articles of Confederation stage, if you're making the analogy with the US. And my money is on the European Union and the Euro area becoming the same thing. 
getting serious, getting that German uh, money into some sort of fiscal mechanism, whatever it is. Um, and by the way, there are a lot of indicators that this is kind of happening due to external pressures anyway. I mean, we said last time I was on, the Germans are rearming, that's incredible. So my, my suggestion is to you is that within 10 years, we'll see a United States of Europe de facto, if not de jure. If they put together a Bill of Rights, they got to be careful when writing the Second Amendment. You know, right. watch <laughs> right. your punctuation. Try right. and make yourself clear. What do you mean? Right. A well-regulated militia. Right. I mean, there's aspects of the Second Amendment that are pretty awesome. Come on. So maybe we should we should send them over a, a suggested draft. Exactly. Uh, with fewer commas, maybe. Real quick, Ed. The UK, I know it's hot over there. I know the folks are, you know, really dealing with that. But just from an economic perspective, how are things in the UK these days? Well, I mean, if you if you look at some of the projections, uh, 2023 uh, GDP growth goes down to zero. So um, you guys know about finance. Zero is a bad number. So there's definitely some sort of headwinds going on there. But look, I'm hopeful that there's going to be a period of structural reform and that uh, Britain will essentially do what it did in the 80s under Thatcher and go through some sort of self-inflicted shock, but then come out, uh, you know, past the curve, ahead of the curve on globalization as a result. Um, so we'll have to see. I don't know. But it, the headline is bad, but medium term, good. All right. Good stuff. I mean, lots of news coming out of Europe. We've been... Uh uh, trying to stay on top of it uh, today. Ed Price, senior fellow uh, at NYU and a former British trade official. We love getting uh, his thoughts on economics, uh, particularly coming out of Europe, coming out of the UK. And again, today, the ECB, um, it, you know, being a little bit surprising the market a little bit, clearly with a 50 point uh, increase uh, in their base borrowing rate. Uh, Fed coming up July 27th. That's kind of where all eyes are now as we think about these markets and where rates are going vis-a-vis this economy. This is Bloomberg. All right, we got rates rising. We've had a brutal first half of the year across the fixed income specter, uh, spectrum, and that includes high yield. And we talk high yield. We talk Ken Monahan, co-director of high yield at Amundi US. He joins us in our Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio. Ken, thanks so much for joining us. 13% decline in corporate bond index uh, first half of the year. We've never seen that, have we? No, it's been a miserable, miserable year thus far <laughs> okay. in fixed income. And it's not just high yield, but high yield certainly taking it on the chin. So uh, if, if from an equities perspective, and obviously Paul and I have grown up kind of playing vanilla equities, I would say that's time to go in there and buy. I mean, there is legit blood in the streets, to paraphrase possibly Benjamin Graham. Um, <laughs> Is that not the case for everybody else? Well, I, I, I think it is, and it's going to be at some point. But I think right now what people are concerned about is, is the Fed going to tip us over into a recession? Or are we going to eke this through with maybe modest growth that probably is subpar? And I think that that's the big question. If we go into recession, people are concerned that spreads will back out further and bond prices will drop further. If we don't, then maybe it's an attractive buy right now. All right. So... If we wanted to dip our toe in the high yield space, I still have a specter that I might have a recession sometime in my investment uh, outlook of the next uh, couple of years. So does that suggest that I really try to just focus on the highest quality or do I still try to reach for some better yield? You know, it's interesting if you look, Paul, at the beginning of this year, when people's major concern was rates, duration was driving the market. So double B's underperformed and single B's and triple C's outperformed. That shifted in May when it became clear that 
the concerns about inflation were more significant, and the Fed really had to get its act together. Then we started to see double Bs fade, and single Bs and triple Cs underperformed. And that's where we are right now. Single Bs are a little under the double B sector. We would suggest you're pretty, pretty safe in most double Bs right now. If you type in DIS Go on okay. your terminal, sure. and then um, you click the button historical charts instead of just the spaghetti of numbers that you see there, um, number of distressed bonds traded or distressed issuers, we've spiked up again. Not as high as we were in March of 2020, um, but where are, we going, uh, where are we going on this chart? Well, I think from our perspective, the good news is if we have a recession, it's likely to be a pretty mild one. And I'm not sure we're going to have a recession. But you know, there are some out there suggesting that defaults could hit 10% by 24. I think Which is like a great financial crisis level. Correct. And I think that's a ridiculous number. If you're looking at it from a bottom-up basis and you're looking at the individual sectors and trying to figure out what's going to hit the fan, it's kind of hard to get to that kind of number. When We've, you do look at, uh, look at it from bottoms up and, and, and study the individual sectors, what do you like? Well, I think, you know, that there are sectors out there that are pretty safe. Cable is largely safe. Ooh, we see? would suggest that you've got sectors, money, the healthcare sector is safe. Um, we would suggest that much of telecom is pretty safe. And energy, which has really been, you know, a, a big bankruptcy candidate in, in previous years, mm. particularly a lot of them got pulled down in 2020. That's obviously got the wind at its back right now. Is AT&T a high-yield spirit or is that investment grade? Well, I noticed the AT&T yes. stock got hit <laughs> yeah, hard, but it's, it's still investment grade, and they've been very protective of that investment grade rating because they've got a lot of financing to do. Because I know they took their free cash flow down a couple billion dollars, their outlook, and I'm just, I'm just reaching out to some you know, bond analysts saying, how bad is this, for, is this for AT&T? But it certainly was unexpected. And that's the type of thing when you think about telecom and cable. They're good free cash flow stories until they're not because there's a lot of operating leverage there right there is and i think but i think we've been we've been thinking that they're going to maintain that investment grade rating i got to talk with my colleagues post today's news <laughs> yes, obviously exactly. but yeah. i think that our, our our thought with that would remain the same yeah boy at&t big big news out of there the stocks down a big ken monahan uh thanks so much for joining us ken monahan's a co-director of high yield for amundi us and like me a former uh player at Solomon Brothers. We are Solomon Brothers alumni, along with some other guy. Yeah? Yeah. Is he sitting right over there? I think he's sitting right over there uh, in uh, the good seats. So we appreciate it. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash GreenFestival. All right, let's check in with Barry Ridholtz, host of Masters in Business, uh, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer of Ridholtz Wealth Management. Barry, let's start with, if you don't mind, Europe. We've kind of had a European focus today, the ECB, Mario Draghi stepping down. Um, we've got, you know, gas coming back on or not so coming back on. Lots of issues coming out of Europe today. As a fund manager here in the U.S., how do you kind of put that into perspective? Well, I'm excited I'm excited about the euro parity. Do some traveling uh, overseas <laughs> with a very strong dollar. That that's pretty uh, yep. impressive. But look, you know, Europe is following the United States, and they're raising rates because we're raising rates. They have inflation, we have inflation. 
it's a global economy. It's very challenging to treat one part of the developed world very differently from another. Uh, and so, you know, we, we've just finished a 10-year or 12-year period of U.S. outperformance versus uh, Europe. I'm, I'm waiting for that wheel, that cycle to change. So far, we're seeing no signs it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, as a U.S. investor or your clients who are, I, I assume, mostly invested in mostly the U.S., US. How much, how important is it to follow, you know, the latest new government in Italy or Rishi Sunak versus Liz Truss in the UK or, um, you know, the Russian gas situation? How much does it matter to, to U.S. investors? Well, if you want to be an informed individual, it, it certainly doesn't hurt to know what's going on in the content, in the continent. But generally speaking... As an investor, all that stuff is noise and meaningless. You're buying broad assets so you have a diversified portfolio, and you're really just not paying attention to the day-to-day -day stuff. How, how many governments has Italy had in, since World War II? 67. I mean, it's a full-time job tracking Italian politics. So why do, does any U.S.-based investor other than to be a well-rounded, well-informed individual, have to track the specifics of what's happening there. It's, it's not crucial to them. All right. What I thought was interesting out of the earnings news flow today was AT&T. Yes. Stock getting crushed. Now, they, Barry, called out some of their clients not paying their phone bill. Man, that says something about the consumer. It's I was not expecting that. How do you well, think about those kinds of things? We, we've seen some credit card delinquencies tick up. We've seen – it always starts in the worst of the automobile loans. So like housing, there's subprime loans and there's sub-subprime loans. The, the difference is if you have the weakest credit, uh, a car company is going to install literally a kill switch, and if you stop making payments – they shut the car and they go get it. They know exactly where it is. So around the edges, we're seeing these things tick up. It's not significant yet. It's certainly not 0809. But you pay attention to the ebbs and flows of these because you want to know, uh, is the household in good shape or are they dealing with uh, financial pressures that could affect consumer spending, corporate revenues, and profits? And the other question is, um, how are companies – deploying capital or are they starting to put up um, barriers as well we've had a number of concerning uh, job cut stories starting with the kind of apple may cut jobs in some units <laughs> next year scoop at the beginning of the week but now we've got um, microsoft google lyft even ford plans to cut eight thousand jobs i mean i'm desperately trying to buy any car i see on the lot why are they cutting jobs now? So Ford is a different case than the technology companies. Ford specifically said they're going to reduce some headcount in order to be able to fund further expansion of their EV production and sales. Uh, so Ford is moving into the future as aggressively as they can. When you look at Google, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, go down the list. Six months ago, they were desperate to hire people and arguably – 
we're overhiring people. We're basically anybody who could fog a mirror and, and had the qualifications was offered a, a job. At a certain point, it doesn't take a whole lot of economic slowing for these large corporations to look and say, all right, we're good for now. Let's catch our breath. Let's digest these these new hires, get people integrated into their jobs and see if that solves the employee shortfall that everybody's been dealing with for the past couple of years. All right, Barry, all I know about the car business is Matt's still waiting for Chevy Silverado. I think it's still stuck in Mexico. I think right? it's still stuck in Mexico. I can't get any updates on this except for <laughs> it's the It's all about the chips. That, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's missing chips. That's all I know, and it's sitting on a lot outside the factory with, like, thousands and thousands of other trucks. And Matt's on a first-name basis with a CEO of Ford. You'd think— he could get this is uh, GM. It was GM. Chevy. Oh, G- GM. So yeah. I, mean, I know yeah, I've Mary as well. And Mark, I haven't called them on this issue. Oh, I yet. might have to call them on your <laughs> behalf. All right, Barry, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Uh, Barry Ritholtz, host of Masters in Business, chairman and chief investment officer of Ritholtz Wealth Management. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to interviews at Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Matt Miller. I'm on Twitter at MattMiller1973. And I'm Paul Sweeney. I'm on Twitter at P.T. Sweeney. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide at Bloomberg Radio. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.